On September 20th, 2017, an 18-year-old girl leaves a motel in Queens, New York and seemingly disappears without a trace. Her cell phone last pings in Jamaica, Queens around the same time she went missing. However, aside from some strange activity on her Facebook account in 2021, no one has seen or heard from her again. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Karina Slusser. And tonight in Columbia County, the mother of a 19-year-old woman is hoping for answers after her daughter went missing. Police in New York City are involved in the investigation and believe the young woman may be the victim of human sex trafficking. Newswatch 16 Sarah Binovsky is live in our newsroom. Sarah. Well, that teenager, Corinna Slosser, was once a cheerleader at Bloomsburg area. Now she's a college student whose mother is desperate to find her. Police say 19-year-old Corinna Slusser has been missing for more than a month. Corinna is from Montour Township, just outside Bloomsburg. According to social media accounts, she's a college student at Indiana University of Pennsylvania studying marketing. Investigators say she disappeared in the New York City area after she was assaulted by a man from Harlem who has ties to prostitution. I haven't seen her in a while, and I asked my wife recently, you know, I wonder where she could be. But I did not know that she was part of the front page of the paper recently. Police are investigating whether Corinna Slusser may have been sighted at a truck stop in the Mifflinville area. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Well, uh, good news is, I think, we don't have any more hot weather coming. No, it don't seem to be going to happen. I do enjoy it. I am enjoying it a lot. How's your back, you punk-ass bitch? Well, we'll find out. I had to use a push mower today, so if I can't move tomorrow, we'll know. Oh, I, if I used a push mower, I wouldn't be able to move for a week, so I don't. that's not a good litmus test, if you ask me. I've been able to work out for about a week without it hurting, so we'll see. Work out. What kind of workouts you do? Pilates? DDP at Diamond Dallas Page. Do you really? Yeah, I really do. That's not working out, bro. That's stretching. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'll take a picture of my T-shirt next time I get through stretching, and I'll show you what kind of stretching it is. Because I was like you when uh, my wife bought it, and uh, I was like, it can't be that hard. I was over there like, will you give me a towel? I can't see. There's so much sweat in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a steady diet of bacon grease and beer dude you're gonna sweat pretty profusely that's true i don't recommend it doing it after you've uh partaken in watching college football all saturday <laughs> i didn't watch a single minute of it except for a couple couple seconds while i was at the unclaimed baggage store in alabama alabama did you find any unclaimed baggage that you wanted there was a lot of stuff there, but what boggles my mind is somebody left unclaimed a necklace that they were selling for $32,000. Anyway, um, I remember. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting story. It, piss is, on. it is an interesting story, but where do you go from there? Are you wearing a headband or is that a head, like a wrestling headgear you got on there? Uh, that'd be a headband. I got that rock and roll hair now. Damn, midlife crisis. It's going to get us all. I'm, I'm going to get me a convertible next. Oh, hell. <laughs> when that place, Unclaimed Baggage, first opened when I was in high school, you could find some good deals. Now I think you'd, you're better off just getting on eBay. Yeah, pretty sure. Well, all right, Coach. We got us a, a new patron. Nice. Uh, Mr. George Collins upgraded to the $20 tier. Damn. No, he must love us. That guy's got to believe in what we're doing, man. He, I think he does. I think he does. And we appreciate it. Heck yeah, we do. Still been, what, almost three years now. I still ain't seen a dime from that Patreon. Every year, every time I bring it up. Every time. All right. So, well, I mean, at some point, you think you take the hint and send me a check or something. Well, you might get one. I don't know. So we got uh, Marie Welch also at the $1 tier. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We have not gotten any feedback on our 
movie reference, Harlem Night. Dude, that was a shame. That's one hell of a movie. If y'all ain't seen it, make a point to. All right, so we've got what? Okay. All right, let's just do it. Here we go. Oh, man, I did one take in that opening. You can't even get your shit together enough to start the show. I know. I know. You've been killing it, and I apologize. I let us, I let us down, Coach. Well, in my defense, it's the one thing I'm responsible for. But have you written it down? I haven't written it down in <laughs> years. All right, so Corinna Slusser was born on October 6, 1998 in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and the only daughter of her mom, Sabina Tuorto. Corinna's dad had passed away in a car accident when she was very young. Corinna participated in cheerleading since she was about seven or eight, according to her mother, and was the all-American teenage girl living in Montour Township, Pennsylvania, which is located near the town of Bloomsburg. Corinna attended Bloomsburg Area High School, which is now called Central Columbia High School. She was a member of the varsity cheerleading squad and the varsity track team. She was an average student and had many friends, most of which were a class ahead of her. Her life seemed to be headed towards attending Indiana University of Pennsylvania, where she wanted to study marketing. Now, Corinna would spend the summers with Sabina's, that's her mom, Uncle's ex-wife, it's a little convoluted, so her mom's aunt, so it would have been Corinna's great aunt, and that lady's name was Julie Ann Becker Kalfa. Julie was part of the family for 20 years and has stayed close to Corinna since the divorce. Quote, she was here in Massachusetts with me in the summer of 2016. In August, she went home. Now, Julie would take Corinna to Boston regularly when she was in town and said that Corinna fell in love with the city life. She tells Julie and her mom that she would now like to pursue a career as a makeup artist. Her Don't we all, though? Oh, shit. Isn't that the dream? If you can get, ever get it going and you're good at it, man, you can make a killing, kind of like a you hairdresser. Know, I thought about doing my own, you know, a little spinoff true crime YouTube page where I did my own makeup and stuff. Apparently, then people make a lot of money. She, uh, I know a couple of them that do, <laughs> and both of them follow us. Thank God. Hey, that's awesome. It is. I have them. I wish they'd recommend us. Uh, the one from Scotland binged us and does recommend us, but she has just gotten married, so she's a little busy. <sighs> Come on, get your priorities straight. So her social media begins to fill up with makeup tutorials, product reviews, and how-tos. So it appears that she is pursuing her dreams. In September of 2016, Corinna begins her senior year at Bloomberg High School, but decides she no longer wants to participate in track and cheerleading. Her grades start to drop. Since most all of her friends had graduated the year before, she begins hanging with a different crowd. Now, while this is going on, her and her mom begin fighting and butting heads. Just one week before her 18th birthday, Corinna and a friend are arrested for shoplifting at the local Dollar General. And yes, boys and girls from the South, they got them in Pennsylvania. Let me tell you something. My ride home uh, from jiu-jitsu once I get off the intro state is probably 14 miles, maybe less than that. There are five it's almost as good as Waffle House. I saw a statistic that they showed the continental U.S. and that each state had the number of Waffle House restaurants in it. George's was like 476. The, I think the next closest one was like 127. Good Lord. <laughs> there may be a Dollar General and a Waffle House within spitting distance of each other. <laughs> so she's arrested at the local Dollar General, and then she becomes find even more and begins skipping school and starts drinking and smoking pot on a regular basis, according to her mother. Now That's terrible. That's just terrible. She, I mean, who does that? At 18. Name one person you know that starts drinking and smoking pot at 18. It's probably never happened. It certainly didn't happen to me. Certainly didn't happen in the South where I grew up. So the fighting with her mom starts ratcheting up, and right before Christmas break, Corinna tells her mom that she is not going back to school. 
Sabina tries to explain to her that she only has one semester left, and once she's done with that, she can make her own choices about what she wants to do. So Corinna drops out of Bloomsburg High School and begins attending an online charter school that Sabina enrolled her at. Now, while she was technically enrolled in this online charter school, she never attended her online classes, and she would ultimately quit school altogether. And according to the old Google machine, she was just one course shy of receiving her high school diploma. Hey. Yeah. Man, if you get that close, you might as well go, you know. I know, man. I don't get it. I fight it every day. Every day. (laughs) Oh, you, I mean, I used to, I don't anymore. You just got to worry about snot bubbles and boogers, maybe a wet diaper. I I don't deal with the diapers, thank God, but the rest of it, yeah, you ain't kidding. There's a bunch of that. (laughs) Now, Sabina is trying to keep Corinna on the straight and narrow, but she is a single mom who is working double shifts as a nurse to provide for her and Corinna, and she is not there 24-7 to keep an eye on her. Now, it was around this time that Corinna asked if she could move in and live with her great aunt Julie. Now, according to Julie, both she and Sabina had agreed that the move would happen during Corinna's winter break from school. The plans, however, are halted by Julie when she discovers some unnerving information about Corinna's last trip to see her. Quote, just before she was about to move in, my sons tell me that she had gotten up to no good during the summer without me knowing about it. I was about to go away for two weeks in December, so I told Corinna and Sabina she would not be allowed to move in until January when I got home. They both were not happy. So Sabina receives text messages from Corinna telling her, quote, Mom, I need things to change. I need to be happy. I lost motivation and goals because of how unhappy I've been. I hate myself, and I need to teach myself to love me and you. I want us to do it together. I don't want to be your disappointment, but I am sorry. I need you, Mommy. I want you to help me, end quote. In April of 2017, Corinna attempts to kill herself by swallowing 50 500-milligram acetaminophen pills at her house. And according to her mom, basically, she took the whole bottle of Tylenol that was in the medicine cabinet. Yeah, That seems like enough to me. Well, one of Corinna's friends calls Sabina at work and tells Sabina that Corinna has been rushed to the emergency room in Bloomberg. Now, Corinna is transferred to the ICU at Geisinger Medical Center in Danville, Pennsylvania, where the doctors are telling her mom that Corinna's liver is failing. And they inform Sabina that Corinna may need a liver transplant. How old was she, like 18? She had just turned 18. Dang. So, more than a week later, Corinna recovers but is hospitalized on a psychiatric hold for three days. Another friend of Corinna's explains that when she visited her in the hospital, Corinna was texting, quote, a guy from New York, end quote. Hmm. Now, when Corinna is discharged, Sabina tells her that she can recover back at her house, and Sabina says that she starts seeing all of these packages being delivered, and when she's opening the packages, they're filled with clothes. So inquisitively, she asks Corinna, who is buying all these clothes? Corinna replies, quote, oh, it was just one of my friends that came to visit me in the hospital and decided to send me some new clothes, end quote. What are friends for, man? That's right. In May of 2017, Corinna gets a tattoo in the center of her chest that extends to just above her navel, and it is sort of a flower, gothic-looking tattoo. We will post a picture of it on our socials, but that is one distinguishing thing about her. And when Sabina sees it, she flips out and says, Who paid for that? Corinna tells her mom that she went to watch her friend get tattooed and the friend paid for her to get one. Sabina would state that by June, quote, she was getting in trouble. She got fines for underage drinking. Honestly, I noticed that everything was changing with her. She was kind of out of control. I didn't know how to handle her by myself. Then, all of a sudden, she packed all of her clothes and that was it. I never saw her again. Corinna would move out and in with some friends in nearby Hazleton, Pennsylvania and she began working at the local Applebee's. 
By this time, Corinna is 18, and her mom cannot legally do anything to stop her. So just a few weeks later, Corinna was now more frequently partaking in the alcohol and the marijuana. The what? No, what? She was taking in marijuana cigarettes. She was smoking them. The left-handers. The left-handers. She had been fired from her job at Applebee's, and according to her friends, she was getting cash from sugar daddies she met on the website SeekingArrangement.com. See, that's, that's not fair, man. All these girls doing that and then the OnlyFans. I mean, I'm trying to sell pictures of my feet to no luck. I just don't understand. I'm telling you, I've heard the vetting process is a little strenuous. <laughs> I guess they just don't let anybody. I guess on, not. On I guess not. It's just not fair, man. It's like I go to work every day, work hard, and some moderately attractive female selling pictures of her butthole for ten, like ten dollars a pop, making a million dollars a year. It's just not fair. No, it's not. It is not. Or the girl selling farts in a jar <laughs> for five hundred dollars a jar. So yeah, worlds were you know, worlds just not fair, dude. So her friends would say that Corinna found it easier to dress provocatively and send pictures for money to finance her lifestyle than to get a regular job. Looking back now, her friends state that she was just too naive to ever see how those pictures and that lifestyle could turn dark. Now, yeah, how could that possibly turn dark? Oh, we're about to get into it. So Corinna abruptly moves out of the house in Hazleton. She tells her mom that her friend kicked her out and was refusing to give her any of her clothes. So being the mom, Sabina calls the friend. The friend explains that that was not the case and that Corinna owes her rent money and she is not giving Corinna anything until she gets the rent money that she is owed. Now Corinna's friend, Kaylee Levon, tells ABC Channel 7 that Corinna and her roommate had gotten into this huge fight, and Corinna calls some guys to come get her, and a man picked up Corinna from the house and told the roommate Corinna wouldn't need her clothes anyway because he would buy her all new clothes. When asked if the roommate or Kaylee knew the man by the Channel 7 investigative reporter, Kaylee and both the friends stated that no one knew him and no one is going to tell them who he was. If you don't know him, you can't tell. Pretty obvious. This may be the worst case scenario right here. On August 19th, 2017, Corinna posts on Facebook that she is in Brooklyn. Sabina texts Corinna asking what in the hell she is doing in New York. Sabina says that Corinna made it sound like that she was just visiting and had no plans to stay in New York. Now, her friend Kaylee also texts Corinna asking her, what the hell are you doing in New York? She responds with, quote, I'm good, I'm fine, and that's it. Sabina says that for the remainder of the month of August, her and Corinna would keep in touch via text, and she was under the impression everything was fine. Corinna's telling her mom that she got a job doing, quote, payroll and was looking for a studio apartment. What is unknown to Sabina is that by the time Corinna is telling her that she's got this payroll job, she is neck deep into the sex trade scene in New York. Corinna's ads are appearing on escort websites and ads all over New York City using the name Carissa. In late August, early September, Sabina's eyes are open to the fact that Corinna has not been very forthcoming about what she is doing in New York City. While checking her mail one day, she receives a letter from the New York Police Department, and it was addressed to Corinna. It was a copy of a letter of protection notifying Corinna that the attacker has been incarcerated. Sabina freaks out and calls the NYPD and asks what's going on. The NYPD explains that the Order of Protection names a 32-year-old man named Giovanni Pagero as the defendant. The arrest report states that the attack occurred on August 25th around 1 p.m. in Harlem, New York at the Harlem Vista Hotel. A TPO, or Temporary Restraining Order, was put in place. At the time of the assault on Corinna, Giovanni had been arrested nine times and had been convicted of burglarly... 
Robert Lee. Sex trafficking, promoting prostitutions, assault, harassment, criminal mischief, possessing and selling drugs, resisting arrest, and disorderly conduct. Giovanni had gotten out of prison four months earlier for attempted drug dealing and already done two previous stints upstate for attempted burglary and promoting prostitution. According to the police report of the incident, Giovanni allegedly stole $300 from Corinna. Corinna confronted him. Then he allegedly grabbed her by the neck, slammed her against the wall, and choked her. Corinna calls 911 and was taken to the hospital. While at the hospital, when pressed by the nurses, she calls Giovanni her dad. Not daddy, but her dad. On August 28, 2017, Giovanni was charged with various assault and harassment charges, including assault in the third degree and criminal obstruction of breathing or blood circulation. Which is a new one on me. It's called. It's just illegal to choke people. Yep, I know. It's pretty standard stuff. It's the first time I've seen it worded like that. Now, the complaint states that the alleged victim, quote, was crying, shaking, and speaking at a fast pace. As she told the responding officers about the attack, Corinna would state, quote, Giovanni placed his hands around my neck and slammed me against the wall, making it difficult for me to breathe and causing substantial pain to my neck, end quote. A judge issues a six-month order of protection against Giovanni. In that, the order states that he is not allowed to have any communication with Corinna, including over the phone, text, email, or social media, or he could face up to seven years in prison. But Giovanni... He posts the $1,000 bail and is released immediately. Now, keep in mind, all of this goes down, and Corinna's mom is none the wiser and probably never would have known anything about it except for the fact that Corinna's ID still had her mother's address listed as her place of residence. Sabina flips the fuck out and calls Corinna. Corinna diffuses the whole thing and tells her mom that everything is fine and that, quote, a man robbed me. But I'm okay now, and the man is in jail, end quote. Now, Sabina and her aunt, Corinna's great aunt, Julia, who remember Corinna was going to move in with in Boston, start looking through Corinna's social media accounts, hoping to figure out what the hell is going on with Corinna in New York. Now, Julia tells Sabina, quote, she is prostituting. One and one make two. Everything was coming together. If you were to scroll through her Facebook, it was like a big advertisement, end quote. It's just sad, man. Uh, it's extremely sad. It is. Um, I don't know. It, you just don't picture a girl that has, like, all this family support and stuff like that to fall into something. Exactly. That's uh, one thing when I was researching this. It just kind of broke my heart. So, you know, unfortunately. You ain't got no heart. I got a little bitty one. Little, little bitty one. If you ask my son, it doesn't exist, but he's 17 and he shouldn't know it exists. Still can't believe he's 17. <laughs> so let's get not any sense to me. You're old. That's what it makes. Ah, uh, that checks out. <laughs> so back to a shitbag, Yovani. This douche is still grooming Krenna and coerces her into coming back to, quote, work for him. And this is all documented in Corinna's Facebook Messenger account. So just 10 days after he nearly choked her out, he tells her, quote, I just need you to promise me that you, when you make that bread, you are going to give me every dollar, and you're going to let me give you what you need to buy your clothes, and you are going to let me deal with the rest. Once we come to that agreement, watch how I'm going to treat you. I know everything about you that the next guy probably didn't even bother asking, like your favorite color, your favorite food, or even when your birthday is. It fucks with you. We just went through a very bad experience. Honestly, sweetheart, if you would have just stuck to the plan that I had for us, we would have never had that disagreement, end quote. Like your favorite color, that's what's going to win you over? I don't know, man. I have no I have no idea. I just, I'm at a loss for just about all of this. By the time Giovanni sends this long message, Corinna has already fallen in with a new pimp, 21-year-old convicted sex trafficker and, wait for it, aspiring rapper Ishi Woni. 
we're all aspiring rappers, man. Just got to wait for that album to drop. I just got to get my big break. Exactly. So around the time Giovanni is still trying to get Corinna to come back to, quote, work for him, and Ishi is trying to get her to, quote, work for him, Corinna's maternal grandfather dies at the beginning of September, which is Sabina's dad. Sabina calls Corinna and tells her that she is headed to Florida for the funeral. Now, according to mom, Corinna agreed to go. But then the next day came a phone call with even more bad news. Quote, Corinna called her mom and said her license and social security card had been stolen so she couldn't board a flight. She said she wanted to come home to Pennsylvania, though, and she'd be home the next day and she might try to take a train. Unfortunately, Sabina had to leave for the funeral in Florida before Corinna was expected to arrive home that day. Sabina kept trying to contact Corinna to make sure she had gotten in safely. But a week went by and Sabina still couldn't get a hold of Corinna from Florida. So when she returns from Florida, she reports Corinna as missing to the Montour Township Police Department. So now we're going to get into a time, some timeline dates. And this may get a little convoluted because there's a lot of back and forth. But I am going to try my best to make it flow. Yeah, you're going to fail. <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the, the go-getter speech. Well, I just know, you know, I just know you. <laughs> eh, eh, that might check out. So September 3rd, 2017, Corinna reaches out to Yvonne over a Facebook messenger. She writes, quote, how are you? Are you okay? No response. September the 7th, 2017, Yvonne responds to Corinna over Facebook messenger in violation of the protection order already from his long tirade. But again, on September the 7th, he, 7th, he writes, hi, how are you? Are you all right? And I miss you still. Same day, Corinna tweets about getting her first apartment in New York in Jerome Park in the Bronx. She writes with pictures of the apartment, quote, never been more happier in my life, forever a dream accomplished, end quote. September the 8th, 2017, this would be the last time that Corinna updated her profile pictures on Facebook and Instagram, and she writes, cheers to pumpkin spice and fall fashion in my new home. That is my birthday. The 8th? Yeah. Oh, but you didn't say anything, you jerk. I didn't know it. I mean, Facebook I, told you. I'm pretty sure it didn't. I know it did. It told every damn body else. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's broke. You didn't tell me. Happy late birthday, almost a month late. So September the 10th, 2017, Corinna posts her final post on, I think it's Instagram. But it would be her final post on any social media. She posts a picture of someone smoking what appeals to be a marijuana cigarette. And she writes, quote, siphon midday, mid-road is always good for the soul, end quote. Now, the person in the picture cannot be identified. Authorities would state that they are not sure whether the person in the picture is even a man or a woman. The location of the Instagram post is in the Bronx, however. Now, between the dates of September the 10th and September the 20th of 2017, Ishiwoni and Corinna exchanged 806 text messages. Court documents state that, quote, between on or about September 10th, 2017, and on or about September 20th, 2017, that is prior to victim two's, Corinna's, disappearance, the last phone number known to be used by Corinna, victim number two, known as, in this document, phone number one, exchanged 806 text messages with a phone number, phone number two, that Ishiwoni contemporaneously identified to others as his own phone number. Yeah, that indicates an argument to me that you don't just text back and forth 800 times unless you've got a couple points to make. <laughs> I mean, you're averaging 80 texts a day for 10 days. Yeah, we say it like that. I mean, that's a lot, but yeah, okay. I don't know. It's still a lot to me. Maybe they're in love. Mm, maybe so. Maybe they're flirting. Mm, probably not. 
You don't he, think so? He is a convicted sex trafficker. Uh, sex traffickers can fall in love, you know. Well, that is true. Heartless person. Uh, sometimes you just said I didn't have a heart, so I mean, I'm just living up to my name. I, I, well, that's true, but I'm just reiterating that point. <laughs> So on September 11th, 2017, Corinna's aunt sends Corinna several text messages trying to check in with her after hearing that Corinna was assaulted. Quote, I just found out what had been going on with my favorite niece, she wrote. Going on, question mark? Not much is going on what you mean, Corinna responded. Julie responds and asks Corinna about the man who hurt her. Corinna said her aunt shouldn't worry because that man's in jail, which is a lie because Corinna had been communicating with Giovanni over Facebook Messenger. And then she responds to Julie with, quote, well, that won't happen again. So September the 16th, 2017, around 11.27 p.m., Ishiwoni sends a picture to Corinna over Facebook Messenger of himself, Corinna, and another woman. The other woman would later be identified as one of Woni's sex trafficking victims. She was also advertised with Corinna as a, quote, two-girl special. September the 20th of 2017, the last day Corinna is seen, according to police, someone reported seeing Corinna leave the Haven Motel on Woodhaven Boulevard in Rego Park, Queens, early in the morning. Prosecutors believe Ishiwuni was with Corinna at the motel that morning. Police told Corinna's mother that the Haven Motel, quote, had no working surveillance cameras. Imagine that. Around 5.40 a.m. on the same day, Corinna leaves her friend Kaylee a voicemail. Kaylee, as soon as you wake up, you better tell me everything that happened with me. He cheated on you for two months, you know? You need to tell me everything. Text me everything. Tell me if you're okay. All right. Kaylee says that it is Corinna on the voicemail and she sounds extremely panicked and her voice sounds frantic. Very cryptic. Now, the same day around between 5 and 6 p.m., Corinna calls her mother and says she wants to come home. This is when Sabina tells her that she has to go to Florida for the funeral and they'll talk when she gets back. That's where all the Social Securities and her last ID has been stolen. So that's when that all occurred. Now, that same day around 7.04, she would send Giovanni a Facebook message asking to come see him. She wrote, quote, please let me come. If not, I could be locked up. She goes on to explain that a man left her at a short stay motel with no money and no food. Quote, I'm just scared to come to you because of everything, which alludes to him choking the shit out of her. Now, Giovanni would text back that he would come pick Corinna up, but only if she was willing to get back to, quote, work. Corinna fires back, quote, if you missed me, you wouldn't say first thing, is she going to work for me? You'd be worried about my well-being and get with me without stipulation. You care about money, not me. After a few hours pass, around 1034 on September 20th, Corinna texts appear to be more desperate, asking for Giovanni's help, and the two make plans to meet up. Giovanni tries to call Corinna over Facebook, but she does not pick up. This is the last Facebook interaction between Corinna and Giovanni. It is not known if Giovanni ever met Corinna that night. So we get to September 24th of 2017. Sabina leaves Pennsylvania for the funeral, and that morning, around 10.48 a.m., Ishiwoni attempts to call Corinna over Facebook. She doesn't answer. Towards the end of September of 2017, after Sabina's father's funeral, she tries reaching out to Corinna, but the phone is going straight to voicemail, and Corinna is not responding to any text messages. October the 1st of 2017, Sabina returns to Bloomsburg, she gets in touch with Corinna's friends who say they've not heard from Corinna either. Now, it's either October the 2nd or October the 3rd, depending on what article you read, but Sabina files a missing persons report with the Montour Township Police Department in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. A subsequent investigative report shows that the Montour Township Police spoke with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office about Corinna's case and the order of protection she had against Giovanni. According to the Montour Township report, the Manhattan DA's office told them, quote, 
given Giovanni's background, there is a concern that he may be holding Corinna against her will and prostituting her out for money, end quote. So Montour Township tells Sabina that contacting the DA's office in Manhattan is about all they can do and that if she wants to take it further, she needs to actually go to New York and file a missing persons report there. So Sabina gets a friend of hers and the two women drive to Joyzy, and from Joyzy, they take a train over to the city. Sabina said that they are getting the runaround and going from precinct to precinct trying to file this missing persons report, which is asinine. Just take the damn report. Somewhere between precincts, they come across two female NYPD officers, and they ask them if they have seen or heard anything about Corinna. The two officers are like, quote, uh, yeah, we know your daughter and we know Giovanni. We were the responding officers that night. She called and filed the charges, end quote. So the two officers direct Sabina and her friend to the 30th precinct. And when they get to the precinct, everybody there knows good old Giovanni. Now, two officers would state that they will be more than happy to go ask Giovanni at his residence about Corinna. So Sabina is a nervous wreck, thinking that they are going to get him and bring him in and find out where Corinna is. The two officers arrive back at the station and tell Sabina, quote, yeah, we spoke to him. He doesn't know where she is and has not spoken to her since the protection order was issued. And that's it. And that's a lie. Nothing else from the officers. I mean, he said he hadn't talked to her. So, I mean, I mean, what do you want us to do? I mean, he wouldn't lie. I mean, the man's not been arrested nine times for everything under the sun. For fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, so around October 2021, an investigative journalist named Kristen Thorne reaches out to the Manhattan DA's office to inquire about why they did not follow up with the NYPD after telling Montour Township that, quote, given Giovanni's background, there is concern that he may be holding Corinna against her will and prostituting her out for money. The DA's office states that they cannot comment on Giovanni because his records that are related to Corinna are sealed. When pressed why they are sealed by Kristen Thorne, the DA's office again says no comment. What the fuck? Don't make a whole lot of sense to me, but, you know, I'm not an investigator. I'm not a police officer. The only thing I was, when I read this, I was hot, but the, I kind of calmed down. But the only thing I can think of, man, is they think he could lead them to a bigger fish in the trafficking or drug game. That's the only thing I can think of. That Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I would say that's a possibility, but. You never know. Now, as a father, I would have scorched earth. I would have been in jail because I would have been beating the shit out of anyone that gave me lip about not doing what they're supposed to. Yeah. I could see that too, man. I just don't I don't get it. All right. So October 19th, 2017, the NYPD emails Corinna asking her, quote, your family has reported you missing and they want to know if you are okay, which is... She has every right to disappear. She's 18, almost 19 by this time. Of course, Corinna never responds. Now, with all that said, and all the circumstantial evidence pointing to her having been with two known sex traffickers, I don't believe that she is in control of her comings and goings at this time. Well, no, they don't tend to give you a whole lot of leeway when you're a sex slave. No. So October 29th, 2017, around 6.30 p.m., Ishi Wooney messages Corinna over Facebook. He says, hey, I miss you. Can you just hit me up? Let me know you're okay. November the 3rd, 2017, two NYPD officers interview a woman and Ishi Wooney at a hotel in New Jersey about the disappearance of Corinna. We do not know what they told the police because the police will not release their investigative records information on Corinna's case because, quote, Corinna is considered a victim of a sex offense. So I'm just at a loss at this point. So the NYPD would not comment to the investigative journalist when she asked about the case and said that Giovanni's records were sealed. 
because of Corinna. And then that same investigative journalist, Kristen Thorne, contacts the NYPD during her investigation and is told by a spokesperson for the NYPD that, quote, we are unable to accommodate your request for comment due to the fact that this investigation remains ongoing, end quote. I don't get it. It's like we're, we're on two different planets. Like you are not under, we're lost in translation here. I want you to tell me what you know. You will not tell me what you know because you are hiding this under this bullshit veil of uh, his records are sealed. Uh, this is an ongoing investigation. <laughs> Excellent impression right there. <laughs> well, you know, I've been trying. So early November 2017, Sabina takes Corinna's story to the media and her story goes viral on TikTok. This is when the tips about Corinna start pouring in. So a couple of days later on November the 9th, a former detective in the Grand Prairie Police Department in Texas says that he received a Crime Stoppers tip from the NYPD that Corinna may be in Grand Prairie being held captive. Officer Byron Oliveri states that his supervisor brings him the Crime Stopper tip from the NYPD Human Trafficking Task Force. So, like any good officer, Officer Oliveri contacts the investigators in New York, and when he is asked about it, they read him the fucking Crime Stoppers report and say, that's all we know, man. Jeez. I just it seems like a lack of, you know, um, due diligence, lack of caring in some ways. And this goes against the stereotype because Corinna is beautiful, blonde, and white. Now, around April of 2018, someone tries to extort Sabina for $7,500, saying that they had Corinna and were holding her captive. They tell Sabina that they are holding Corinna in a room where she is watched at all times, and they are not feeding her. They go on to tell her that they are mixing heroin and Benadryl to keep her awake. Sabina contacts the authorities and is told that this is a scam. Sabina explains in no certain terms that she doesn't give a shit and they should still investigate these people. She tries to wire the money to the extortionist, but the money doesn't go through. So the extortionist changes the old ruse up and tells Sabina to meet them with the money in the parking lot of a women's hospital in Greensboro, North Carolina. Now keep in mind... Sabina is still living in Pennsylvania, which is 10 hours away. Sabina says that she gets her stuff ready and she's about to walk out the door and her gut tells her, don't do it. Do not make this drive. She said the next day, the person messaged her saying, quote, remember this day, though, April 17th, Tuesday, 2018, because it's the day you almost got your daughter back, end quote. Which I know in the interview I saw her, she has a lot of guilt about that. But the lady that was interviewing her and some other police officers, not the NYPD, have explained that she herself could have been a victim of trafficking if she had made that. And they would have probably killed her. Well, $7,500 doesn't seem like that large of an amount. If you really, truly had her daughter... I mean, why not go for go for broke? I don't know. that. See, that's where I was kind of with the NYPD telling her that it's a ruse. That's fine. Well, let's set up a sting and let's find out who these fuckers are. That sheriff in Polk County did the same thing, and he caught himself a higher up in the old Cartersville Police Department. Made an example oh, out of his ass. I sure did. So in the spring of 2018, Sabina receives an anonymous letter in the mail to her home in Bloomsburg. The man only identifies himself as Carlos C. He said he believes he saw Corinna on September 26, 2017, around 8.30 p.m. near 67th Road in Queens. He said that Corinna was chasing after his friend and was shouting that she was going to sue him. The man identifies his friend by first and last name in the letter. He said that he tried texting his friend after that night, but his friend never responded. He explains to Sabina in the letter that he does not want to give her the friend's address due to him being heavily connected with certain criminal aspects in the man's current neighborhood. That same time, the FBI becomes involved in the investigation. 
They come to Sabina's home and they search Corinna's room in Bloomsburg and they take some of Corinna's personal items and get a DNA sample from Sabina in case they find Corinna's body or other evidence of what may have happened to her. The FBI tells Sabina that Corinna's phone was last pinged in Jamaica, Queens. Now, the tower that her phone was pinged off of is not very far from where the man named Carlos C. says he saw Corinna. February 26th of 2018, police arrest Ishiwone at a hotel in New Jersey for possession of drugs and for allegedly assaulting the woman who is pictured in the photo that Wone sent to Corinna over Facebook Messenger on September 16th, 2017. Fast forward to May of 2018, Giovanni Pagero and Marcus McWright are charged with promoting prostitution in Manhattan. The Manhattan DA will not tell who the prostitution charges involve, but according to court documents, Giovanni and McWright between June 7th, 2017 and October 13th of 2017, quote, knowingly advanced and profited by prostitution by managing, supervising, controlling, and owning either alone or in association with others a house of prostitution and a prostitution business and enterprise involving prostitution activity by two or more persons for prostitution, end quote. Sabina said that investigators told her that McWright posted online sex advertisements for Corinna. On October 31st of 2018, Ishiwuni is arrested on federal charges for sex trafficking, Corinna and the woman pictured in the Facebook photo that he sent to Corinna's Facebook. September 16th, the FBI Assistant Director in Charge, William F. Sweeney Jr., said in a press release, quote, as alleged, Woney compelled his victim to engage in prostitution through force and coercion and he used both this victim and Corinna Slusser, who has been missing since September 2017, in an online advertisements promoting prostitution. November 28th of 2018, Ishiwuni is sentenced to 15 years in federal prison. During the sentencing, Sabina pleaded with Ishi to tell her where Corinna is. His lawyer tells the judge that Ishii would like to answer Sabina's questions. Mr. Woney stands up in the courtroom, turns around, looks at Krenna's mother, Sabina, and says, quote, I don't know where your daughter is. I don't know if she's dead or alive, but I'm praying that she is. God, that's, oh man, that's got to be hard to hear. But I mean, I kind of want to believe the guy, you know, it's, from what, he, from he doesn't what, really have that much to lose, you know. So from what I can tell, he seems genuine in his courtroom exchange. And I think since he's going away for 15 years, short of him killing her, he would have told her where her daughter was at if he had known. Now, January of 2019, Sabina is at her wit's end because she feels like the investigation has stalled and she is not being contacted. So she sends a letter to the White House and President Donald Trump expressing her frustration with the FBI in New York, who she says is not responding to her calls and emails. The next month, on February 14th, 2019, she receives a response from the White House regarding her email. And in the letter, it says, quote, White House staff reviewed your correspondence and is forwarding it to the appropriate federal agency to further action. Sabina said FBI officers in New York immediately reach out and apologize for not returning her messages. Imagine that. Yeah. Journalist Kristen Thorne requested an interview with someone from the FBI in New York to discuss Corinna's case, but was told, quote, we still don't have a comment. In the spring of 2019, Sabina buys a phone and connects it to Corinna's phone number. And as soon as she does, all of Corinna's photos, apps, calendar reminders, and emails load onto the phone. But none of her text messages or her call log ever appears. They are completely gone. The FBI asks if they can have the phone, so Sabina turns it over to them. She then says that the FBI gave the phone back to her approximately two months later, 
but did not tell her anything about what they may or may not have found on the phone. Now, it is around this time that the FBI tries to tell Sabina that they are doing what they can, but here's the shocker, because I would have punched the guy or lady. It appears that Corinna went willingly and chose to stay in this scene. And just break all contact with every human being that she's ever been in contact with. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's totally normal activity. Well, Sabina's not having it, and she tells them that when someone like her daughter who lived and breathed on social media and tweeted and took pictures and logged in and checked in everywhere, all of a sudden stops using it, that's a red flag, and that person is missing. And she's got a great point. January 15th of 2020, around 1118 a.m., Sabina confronts Giovanni Pagero at one of his court hearings in Manhattan. And there's a video on YouTube where Sabina actually records her exchange with Giovanni in the hallway of the courtroom. If you want to look at it, you can. It's subtitled and a little muffled. But basically, Giovanni tells Sabina that he thinks Karina is alive, but she is, quote, exploring the city. Explore. Oh, my God. Exploring the city. He goes on to tell Sabina that he never attacked Corinne in that Harlem Vista hotel and the assault charges were dropped. You know why they were dropped there, dumbass? Is because the person that made the charges against you is fucking missing and couldn't appear in court. Yeah, that's kind of convenient, ain't it? Yeah. This guy's a, a grade A P.O.S. February 21st of 2020, Marcus McWright of Forest Hills, Queens is convicted of promoting prostitution. He is released. From prison, one fucking month later, after being convicted of promoting prostitution. Now, according to Kristen, the investigative reporter from Channel 7 up there, she believes genius Marcus McWright was released because of the overcrowding and the pandemic of COVID-19 as the city was trying to clear its prison. I mean, she may be on. I mean, that might be a good point. Why don't you let the guy that you arrested for less than a dime bag of marijuana go and keep this piece of shit that's been promoting prostitution in jail? Well, I'm sure they did let the dime bag guy go. You don't know that. You don't have those statistics. I may have those statistics, and you just may be misinformed, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so on June 4th of 2021, around 9.51 p.m., an NYPD officer arrests Oyovani near Times Square. The officer said he spotted Giovanni selling the crack rock in Times Square. And when he searches Giovanni, he said he found several plastic bags with crack rocks in it. So a judge remands Giovanni without bail. But in the shit show that has followed so far, on October the 25th of 2021, Giovanni Pagero is only sentenced to two to five years in New York State Prison on drugs and prostitution charges. Well, this could have, you don't know if that was crack or not. It could have been like, you know, bagged up flakes of uh, soap or something, you know. Is that I mean, rock, is he, got a, he got a stick of that rock candy from Cracker Barrel. Yeah, exactly. He just likes the old-timey uh, atmosphere. I guess so. <laughs> He is currently, or he was at the time, being housed at Bear Hill Correctional Facility in Malone, New York. And he was, or could be, released as early as Monday of this week, October 2nd, 2020. No, I'm sorry. October 2nd, 2023, a week from this Monday. A week. Shit, a year from this Monday. Dang, I can't. I'm getting it all wrong. The New York Post went to Rikers Island to... Ask Giovanni about what happened to Corinna, and he was adamant that he was not the last person with her. Quote, look at the internet. I wasn't the last person who was with her. I don't know anything about that. Okay. She was the last one you contacted, and you said you was going to meet her up or meet up with her and help her out. So I guess two to five is better than 25 to life. 
So a police source told the Post that Giovanni was questioned over Corinna's disappearance and looked at hard in terms of possibly knowing something about it. But the investigation has never been labeled a homicide case and is still considered just a missing person probe. Quote, at some point, she's looking for a, a ride. Giovanni says he wanted her to behave. She didn't seem willing to comply. And then at some point, she falls off the radar, the police informant says. November 13th of 2021, Corinna's social media accounts magically start showing activity. Sabina said that she has not used Corinna's accounts, so it leads her to believe either Corinna is alive or someone had access to her phone and her accounts. Did it state what the activity was exactly? Were there posts? Were there just... I think it was check-ins. She checked her... The way it looked at it was she accessed... Corinna was active or something like that and had her old picture on it. I think mm. it hit towards the end of October... Or one was hit... There was a hit of her being active around the 17th of September of 2021. There was one in October, and then there was another one November 13th, but that's it. Now, as of July 8th, 2022... According to investigative journalist Kristen Thorne, when she attempted to put in Corinna Slusser's name in the FBI's kidnapping and missing persons database, the search came up, no results. So the FBI's not even put her in their database. Now, that was as of July the 8th. I did not get on the FBI's website because I figured the van across the street could do the search for me. <laughs> You'd think so. I mean, come on, guys. They're not very helpful. No, they're not. Now, in the years since Corinna's disappearance, the Facebook page has been set up in her name. Odd tips have come in very infrequently, and Sabina has always forwarded those to authorities. However, there are no real leads in the case as of today. Sabina has since left Pennsylvania and is now living in Jacksonville, North Carolina. She told the Post, quote, I feel hopeless. I waited as long as I could for Corinna. And she wasn't returning, and it's depressing. Sometimes I don't even want to, you know, I just don't want to be here anymore, end quote. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a mother at her wit's end. She did everything she could do as a single parent to raise her daughter, provide for her by working double shifts as a nurse, thinking that she was doing the right thing, and the nightmare just happened. Awful. It is, man. Lori Cohen, CEO of the anti-child sex trafficking group ECPAT USA, said that there is a chance Corinna could still be under a trafficker's thumb. Quote, I've worked with a number of victims who, while they were trafficked, their trafficker had absolute control over their ability to communicate, and isolation is an extremely effective way to maintain control over someone. There could be a threat, like, you try and contact your family, we kill your mother. Now, Corinna's great aunt Julie stated, quote, we have found out through some of her friends and the investigations that have proceeded that this started off with someone offering her a place to stay in New York, the promise of a fun, fast life. That evolved into dinner dates and the party atmosphere, which in turn turned into her never coming back to Pennsylvania. Julie goes on to state that Corinna's family believes the man who offered her a place to stay was Giovanni, and they also believe Corinna is now being held against her will in a sex trafficking ring. Here's the problem, though, is if that's true or if it was true. I mean, there's just been too much publicity about this case now. Like, the mom went on Dr. Phil. Oh, I agree. Oh, unfortunately, I mean, I hate to say it, if, if what the, the idea of the the theories are true, man. This, they're not going to be pimping her out with that recognizable of a face. The only thing that I think the family's holding on to is that she was shipped overseas. Now, I don't know if that is even a viable theory or I mean, not. I, I couldn't find anything. For her being alive, that would probably be the, the most likely scenario if she was in sex trafficking and what, what not being held against her will. Why not? seller overseas where it's not as you know prevalent of a of a case her face is recognizable yeah she's a gorgeous young lady go ahead you're not gonna just continue to sell her 
to whomever every single night without somebody recognizing her and somebody letting the authorities know, like an anonymous tip or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Now, unfortunately, Corinna is a textbook case of the trafficking epidemic. She is one of thousands in New York City, despite allegedly being one of thousands. Corinna does not fit the stereotype that the public has of such a epidemic. Her great aunt Julie told Dateline, quote, people may be envisioning runaways and drug addicts, and that is not Corinna. She was a cheerleader for a team called the Cornhuskers. She came from a rural Pennsylvania town. She was looking for more, for a more exciting life, and I think that's why she went to New York City. I know Corinna had no idea what she was getting herself into, end quote. Now, investigative journalist Kristen Thorne stated that she would like for this to be a warning for teenagers and parents alike. Do not think for one second it cannot happen to you or your family. She goes on to state, and I have to agree with her parents, it is your duty to monitor your child's social media. I know that in Corinna's case, she was 18 when she, quote, moved to New York, but have a conversation with your daughters and your sisters about how, quote, if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. Corinna is described as having blonde hair and blue eyes. She weighed approximately or weighs approximately 140 pounds and is about five foot seven. She also has a large black flower top tattoo in the middle of her chest. Anyone with information regarding Corinna Slusser is asked to call the NYPD's Crime Stoppers hotline at 1-800-577-8477. You can also submit tips by logging on to their website, nypdcrimestoppers.com, or by texting tips to 274637 and then entering TIP 577, all calls and information are kept strictly confidential. And unfortunately, that is all the information we have on the Corinna Slusser case. I will say that the lady, Kristen Thorne, has a bunch of little 30-minute cases that she does for that ABC Channel 7 out of uh, NY or I was about to say NYPD, but out of New York. So if you're interested, she has a great, I think it's about 28 minute long video on Corinna. Uh, there's a lot of things that she goes into. There's an interview with Sabina on there. So, and then again, it's all over YouTube if you want to look at it. Yeah, the Dr. Phil episode on YouTube as well. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking, man. I mean, you know, a little rural town in Pennsylvania, you just never, you never fucking know, dude. No, it's a dangerous world out there, man. I think we've covered that topic on several occasions. Yeah, the more I researched this one, the sicker I got at just how this poor young lady was just naive and thought that they these guys wanted the best for her, and then she found herself in a situation she couldn't get out of, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's most likely is the case, and it's very sad, but it happens, and you need to be aware. People need to be aware that these things are possible. And that's, I mean, I want to kind of reiterate what Kristen Thorne said. You know, Rob from Cigar Story it's has $3, and he said on his podcast several times that it's just a rule in their house. You know, at any time if I ask for your phone and you start acting shady, I'll shut that shit down quick. So he's got access to all their social media accounts. He knows their passwords. If they change it, then he gets it. So yeah. Is it, is it kind of a dick move? It is, but at the same time, he does not want his daughters to become a statistic. You can look at that both ways, but I mean, if he's coming from a good place, then you can't blame the man. No, you can't. And you know, I hated my parents when I was between the ages of 12 and probably 20 till I finally matured a little bit. But they, you know, you don't you mature. Well, I said a little bit. I didn't say I matured. Well, as of tonight's recording, if you are a Braves fan, they actually beat the Marlins and won the division. They beat the Mets. Nobody cares. Nobody will give a shit until they get to the championship series. Now I got. I don't really follow baseball, but I had a buddy that does, and he, you know, I always check up with him. I was like, "Man, how are the Braves doing?" He's like, "Oh, they crapped the bed, man. They're done. It's over." I'm like, "Oh, that sucks." And then, like two days later, 
we're first in the division. I was like, dude, you don't know shit. Like, yeah, they swept somebody, the Mets, man. And for then, somebody who watches every game, you don't know a whole lot, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> they sweep the Mets, go down to Miami and shit the bed last night, and actually pull one out of their ass tonight, two one, and win the division. Nice, maybe they'll repeat. That would be sweet. All right, you got what's your recommendation there, Slappy? I'm gonna recommend the YouTube page Top Ten Central. I've been watching a whole lot of their Karen videos lately. I've never experienced a Karen in real life. Speaking of Karens, but while Karens I was everywhere, while I was waiting on you to return from your jujitsu, there was a TikTok video where a Karen was in a courtroom and she tried to pull her Karen on a judge, and the judge had her ass arrested. It was fucking hilarious. She was like, spits at the judge. Yeah, she stopped her mid sentence and she goes, Ma'am, look around. Do you see where it says Burger King anywhere in here? And the lady goes, No. And she goes, You're right. You can't have it your way. You're going to have it mine. Bailiff, arrest her ass. (laughs) (laughs) You know what you always say. You played stupid games. Amen. You win stupid prizes. Amen. I'm going to recommend a face. No, it's not a Facebook. It's an Instagram account. It's called OUR Rescue. They are real big into the trafficking, trafficking, rescuing trafficked victims. These things do not get reported like they should. They have some huge, huge success stories. So, our. Rescue O U R. It's a yellow looking background, and the hour looks like a chainlet. But uh, we'll put a link to that on our socials. Y'all go follow them. They're doing a lot of good work out there. So, you got anything else there, Slapnut? Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me look. Uh, you know I don't. Deuces. <laughs>